Um, we're in a series called Some Assembly Required, and we've been talking through a little bit of the vision of, of this house, LifePoint Church, um, and what we've been talking about is the fact that we're building a church. Now, we're almost 10 years old, but the truth is, is we're really just getting started, man. We're just really getting our stride, and God's doing some amazing things through us, but that in order for us to become the church God sees for us, that there's some assembly required. There's some assembly required from us, um, for, for, for God's house, and also f- to become the kind of people that God wants us to be um, as individuals, there's some assembly required. And so um, what we've, that's what we've been talking about. <clears throat> now, here's the deal. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but anything that you have that's awesome, whether that's your car, your truck, your house, your, your phones, somebody had to assemble that thing. Am I right? <clears throat> somebody put it together. And uh, maybe it was a robot. I don't know. Everybody's, the robots are taking over the world, but that's, that's just, we're gonna have to deal with that later on. Um, but we can pull their plugs. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, but there are some things, you know, in life that it just means more to you if you had a hand in putting them together. Like, I don't know if some of you have ever put together like a, your, your kid's, you know, playground or play set, or maybe you've built a deck on the back of your house or whatever. And when you sit out there, um, my, my brother-in-law and I did, built a deck at my last house and it was just kind of a cool thing to know. I'm sitting on something that I had a hand in building. There was a sense of accomplishment and it was just really neat to, to feel that way. <clears throat> if you've ever built <clears throat> or helped build something from scratch, then you know what I'm saying, that there's just something about knowing, man, I was part of the formation, the building of this thing. And that's kind of what we're saying as a church that, we are still building a church. Now, we're about to build a building. We've been saying it for months now, but we're still waiting on that same permit. So um, I don't know if God's pleased with me that I want to bust a cap off in somebody down there at downtown. But uh, anyways, just a light, like maybe a BB kind of a, maybe a soft, like an air pellet. I don't know. But anyways, but, but beyond that, beyond the physical building, um, we're trying to build what God wants us to build. And, and really it comes down to people. Like the, the vision of the church is not, about buildings and stuff. It's about people and what God wants to do in people's lives. And so we have these four phrases that we use to describe um, this process, that, what this vision looks like. And the first one is know God. And what we mean by that is whether you kind of went to church as a kid and you kind of wandered away from it or whether you've never heard about Jesus or whether you're um, a lifelong believer but you want to know God more, we just want to be the kind of church where people, wherever they're at on their spiritual journey, they can come and, and, and know God, And we do that primarily with our Sunday services on Sunday, obviously. And then the second phrase is, is the phrase, find freedom. And, and here's what I know. And this is based on my own life, my own journey, is that everybody is a little bit jacked up. Can I just get an amen from that? Like, like life has a way of putting on baggage on us, and there's hurts, and there's habits, and there's hang-ups. That's the language we use and everybody needs freedom from that. Everybody needs some kind of a system, a process that helps us deal with the baggage of our yesterdays. And we do that. Our, our primary vehicle for getting that done is life groups. And we're in a season right now of life groups. That's a semester going on right now. And they happen primarily during the week. Um, and, and then the third phrase is discover purpose. And, and the idea behind that is that everybody, it doesn't matter what your religious affiliation or whether you're religious or not, doesn't matter what your background is, what faith system you grew up in. Everybody everywhere wants to know that in the day my life mattered, that it counted for something. And so we, and everybody wants to know, what, like, what am, I, what am I here on the planet to do? 
Um, I, I think that all of us at various points in our lives, and a lot of times it happens in our 20s and our 30s, that we have these sort of existential crises where we're like, who am I? And what am I supposed to be doing? And what's the larger purpose of life? And, and, we're, and we're wrestling with all that. And, and we want to say that God, God doesn't want you wrestling with that. God wants you to know what your purpose is. And so the way we do that primarily is, is, is through growth track. And it's this one one-time experience that we do, usually the first Sunday of the month. This Next month, we're doing it the second Sunday um, so as not to compete with Easter. But it's about a 90-minute experience, very interactive, kind of fun and engaging and food and childcare and all that's provided. And that's the primary vehicle for how we help people discover purpose. And that happens on Sundays. And then finally is to make a difference. And there's all sorts of ways that people make differences in their lives. But the way that that we sort of primarily deliver that is through what we call our dream team. And that's our, our volunteer force that, that was out there in the parking lot when you drove up and was helping your kids and was here early, early this morning, turning things on and making sure the sound was, and the band was up here rehearsing. That's our dream team. And they're, they're some of the best people on the planet. Can I get an amen for that? Yes. Yeah, and that happens primarily on Sundays, although we serve in, in prisons and in all sorts of, of, of projects around the community and around the world, but primarily that happens on Sundays. And this is the vision that we have for people, that every person who calls LifePoint home would be part of a process that helps them move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Because all of us are at some place on the continuum of where we are and where God wants us to be. Some of us are barely starting. Some of us have been further along. But I can tell for me, uh, say for me, that I'm not where God wants me to be. I got a long way to go but I want to be part of a process that helps me go from where I am to where God wants us to be. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Now, here's the thing, the interesting thing about, about these four things that we do around here at LifePoint, and we only do four things. We don't do 50 things. I know there are a lot of great churches that they offer 50,000 things that you can do and be part of. We don't. We do four things, and these are them. And the way we, we say it is that we would rather be Ruth's Chris than Golden Corral. Come on, everybody, you know what I'm saying? I've been wrong with Golden Corral. You can get Chinese food, Mexican food, Italian, steak. It's paper thin. You can wallpaper it with, but nevertheless, like we want to be the kind of church, and we're not there yet, but we want to be the kind of church, like you can get a big, fat, juicy, awesome steak with a bone still in it. Can I get an amen on that? Bones, anybody? Me and the dogs, apparently. Um, so this is the four things we do. And, and what we've been saying is that in order for us to get where God wants us to be, there's some assembly required. But I want, to, I, want to, I want to play a twist on that word assembly today um, and take us down that road for a minute is that there's assembly that means, hey, we've got to put these things together. But there's another way to view assembly, and that is this, this definition. A group of people gather together in one place for a common purpose. That's an assembly, right? And so for us to do to be on this process, to do these things that move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. Three of those four things that we do around here at LifePoint happen primarily on Sunday. So in other words, if you're going to become the kind of person God wants you to be, part of what that looks like, at least a small part of it, is that you gotta show up. Can I get a get, and you're all here like, Psh, we're here today. He's not preaching against us because we're here, right? I'm not preaching against anybody. It's all good. You, you actually have to show up. And it's a huge showing up is a huge part of what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking, this is from the Amplified, so there's some amplification here. Not forsaking or neglecting to what? Say it with me. To assemble together, right? As believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, and he gives amplification, that means warning, urging, encouraging one another 
And then all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What he's saying is that gathering with other believers, whether that's here on Sundays or in a life group during the week, um, or wherever you gather with other believers, that needs to become part of the rhythm of your life, a, a, a habit for you, if I can say it that way, that life is just better when you assemble with people who are going your way. Like, like when you gather with people who are going your way, it's just better. So that's what I wanna talk about today. And, and, and to help us with that, I wanna, I wanna look at one of my, I probably have three favorite Psalms, and this is one of them, Psalm 84. And I really wanna do a whole series based on this. This is called, called a Song of Ascents. And it was a, a song that they would sing as they were pilgrimaging on their way to Jerusalem, they would, on their pilgrims, they would, they, would, they would do these things and they would sing these songs. And this is one of that, part of that. Psalm 84, verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now this is strange language if you're not familiar with the Bible and like you're like, what are the courts and why is he yearning for courts? Like, I don't like court. It's always scary at court. You know, like I went to court one time and bad things happened to me at court, right? But he's like, he's talking about God's house, right? And, and more specifically, wherever God's presence is, wherever God's doing his best work, he's saying, look, I wanna be there. I wanna be part of that. And then he goes on in verse 10 and says this, better is... One day in your courts, in your house, than a thousand elsewhere. I, I'd rather be a doorkeeper, like a greeter, an usher, somebody who's serving on the team. I'd rather be doing that in the house of my God than dwell um, in the tents of the wicked. And, and the tents of the wicked just describes all the places in life where there's pleasure to be had. Sometimes it's not good pleasure. Sometimes it's bad for you. Like it's like not, it's, it's not good. It's not healthy, right? But he's saying, hey, there's some fun out there. There's some amazing fun stuff out there, but I'd rather spend one day in God's house than a thousand days doing whatever my heart desires. Now, consider for a moment that you had just one day to live and you knew it, like tomorrow, Monday, tomorrow's the last day. You're like, why's it gotta be a Monday? Why can't it be a Tuesday? I hate Mondays. Right, but let's just pretend that it's Monday. What are you going to do with that day? Like, what, what, what's going to be the one thing that you feel like, I got to get this done? So some of you would say, I'm going to do that bucket list thing that I've always wanted to do and never did. I'm going to jump out of a plane and I'm not even going to use the parachute. I'm just going to fly as far as I can go and see until it ends, right? What's the point, right? Some of you would be like, I'm going to hang out with my family and friends. I think most of us would do that. Maybe you want to spend that one day fulfilling some fantasy that you never got to do, whatever it is. Maybe you would say, I'm just gonna live my life the way I've always lived my life. I love the way I live my life. I'm gonna go to work. I love my job. I'm gonna spend my last day at work. I'm gonna come home and eat my favorite meal. Like whatever you, you're gonna do, right? Now, in this verse, the psalmist seems to be considering his options, right? And, 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 and he comes to the conclusion that for him, it's just better to spend one day in God's house in God's presence than to hang out having all the fun that this world offers for a thousand days. Like one day with God for him is better than a thousand days doing anything else. Now, the question is why? Why did he feel that way? Why, why is it better to be in God's house with God's, in God's presence than, than anywhere else? Matter of fact, let's break it down even a little bit further. Why do we even come, why do we even assemble? Like, 
Why do we come to church? Like maybe you've never even thought about that before. You're like, it's just what we do on Sundays, right? Why do I come in the first place? Is it because I have nothing else to do? Come on, somebody, right? Is it because that in the spring in San Antonio, there's nothing fun going on? Wrong. Come on, can I, can I get a man? The, the river was green yesterday, right? Come on, that was fun. It's normally green, but it was even greener. <laughs> you, ever see, you ever see those ads on TV for San Antonio and the, and the river walk looks really clear and you're like, lies, that's a lie. Doesn't look like that. It's not the Caribbean. It's just murky water going through our town. There's no telling what's in it. Dear God, don't fall in it. All right, Any, anyways, that's a whole other problem. All right, now, is it because there's nothing to watch on TV that you come? Like today's the Mar- was March Madness. That's, that's something to watch. Now, all my teams have already lost, so it doesn't matter, but whatever, you know. Why do we come? Now, here, here's, the, here's the truth. There's probably a discrepancy between why we should come and why we do come. Can I get an amen on that? Like some of you would say, truth be told, I'm here because if I didn't come, my wife would gripe me out when I got home, right? Uh, or some of you, like my mom made me go when I was a kid. My mom made me go to church. There was no options. You had to go. And listen to me, kids. Like I did not want to go to church when I was a kid, mostly because the church that I went to was not fun at all. Come on, somebody. I don't know what kind of church I went to, right? Like we, like however cool this church might be, like if we're, like if we're a five maybe on the coolness factor, like the church I grew up in was a negative five. <laughs> like we didn't have cool lights we had chandeliers with cobwebs on them and dust, like huge golden candelabras. Y'all don't even know what a candelabra is, but we had these by like a thousand of these things. Like we didn't sing cool songs with a band. We had one lady on an organ and we sang out of books, like turn to page 47 now and we're gonna sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. And you know, you're flipping the pages and singing along with you. And man, I was just like, it's so bad. La, 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 I don't even wanna hear it, man. That's what I grew Like the church I grew up in, we played movies at church, but not like we do here at, at, at the movies, like where we're playing like, I don't know, like Shrek or what, I don't know what we played. What did we play last time? Whatever we played last time. Like this was like scary, like movies about the end of the world, man. And so like I'm eight and all I can think about at church is like, how am I going to escape the communists when they come and mow us all down with their Uzis? Cause that's what they showed us on our kids movie. Praise the Lord for that. Children, you don't have any idea what we're talking about right now. Some of y'all do. Some of y'all grew up in the 70s like me and you watched all the scary Jesus movies. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying? But Jesus wasn't there. It was just the devil or whatever. The Antichrist, ah, you know, I don't know. Anyways, I've completely lost my way. My mom made me go. That's where I was going. That's where I was going with it, right? But can I tell you something? I'm so glad she did now, right? But I wasn't happy about it in the back of the day because I played basketball and really what I wanted to do was go out to Lackland Air Force Place and we'd play ball at the Warhawk. Does that, does that still a thing, anybody? Yeah, and we'd play ball at Chaparral and there was ballers there, man. I don't know how it is now, but back in the day, Shaq would show up. Shaq was in high school here and he would show up and play ball with us. And the number one player, uh, women's player in the, in, in the whole country, Clarissa Davis played at UT, Naismith player of the year three years in a row. She would play out there and play ball with us and she called me slim and I liked that because I wasn't really slim, you know? I'm saying, but she, yo, Slim, get over there. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever you say, Clarissa Davis, you're famous and I'm not, you know, but I could ball her too. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, not really. She schooled me right and left, but anyways, I'd rather be there, but, but my mom would make me come. And here's the thing, moms, let me just say this. Uh, just keep making them come. And one day God's grace would be upon them and they'll actually want to come. And if until that day, we'll just keep jamming them with donuts and whatnot, just luring them in. That's not creepy or whatever, you know? <laughs> 
jamming it down their pie hole the whole time. Hey, here's a donut. Come to church. It's very healthy. Anyways, some of you, maybe you come because you're hoping that there's gonna be a new dude or a new chick there. And you're like, dude, church is the best place to hook up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm all for that because that's where I met my wife was at church. Praise the Lord for that. Anyways, so, some of us, we show up out of guilt. We're like, man, I've been such a bad person all week. And so I got to go to church to, to make it right. Now, I love that rationale because like, here's how I reckon it. When I, when I was back in college, I, I would play um, golf with this one guy and, and, and he was perpetually the guy that was always on a diet, like always on a diet, but it didn't work. You know what I'm saying? You're like, dude, I'm, you need to change diets because dude, it's just not working. And mostly because when we play golf, he would get like four sleeves of the king size um, Reese's peanut butter cups and he would be just jamming them down the whole time. And then he would just be washing it down with a diet Coke. Like that's gonna wash away his sins. Like you just send like 47 packs of Reese's cups. The diet Coke does not negate it. I wished it did. Come on, somebody. Am I with? Because I'd be just... Anyways, um, c- coming out of guilt doesn't ultimately help much, right? Because the truth is you can't repay God for all the bad things that we've done in our lives by showing up to church because th- somebody's already paid the price and his name is Jesus and you can't show up to church to fix it. He already fixed it. Can I get an amen on that? But, but, but some of us... But some of us come to church singing, I owe, I owe, so off to church I go, and maybe I won't cry in hell if I go to church. Some, I, I don't know how it went. Uh, it was better in my head. Um, but anyways. <laughs> I sang that one time a long time ago, and I just felt like I should bring it back. I should re- it was an oldie, but a goodie. Right? A lot of people come out of guilt or obligation. I get that. Not the best of reasons, but I get it. And, and then there are those who come and are like, I'm coming to learn something, man. I'm coming to get some new information. And, and I'd say, yeah, that's, that's great, but except that you can, you can Google anything you want to know. You can do online Bible college nowadays. You can sit on your back deck right today, right now, and listen to the greatest preachers on this planet because they're live streaming their services right now. Like, so, so if it's not about guilt or about obligation or about information, well, what's it about? I, I just want to give you four things I think that it's about why church matters, why assembly matters, why it's better in God's house. Number one, it's not just about information, it's more about impartation. Let me explain that. I think there's something that happens when you're present that doesn't happen when you're not. Meaning, you can, you can learn whatever you want from wherever you want, but there's something about being in God's presence that when the word of God gets preached and you're there, when the songs of praise get lifted and you feel whatever you feel when you, when you hear those songs or when you're singing, that, that, if you're, that if you're looking for God and you're out seeking God at a, at a, in a service like the psalmist was, that something happens in you that can't happen in any other scenario. That impartation, impartation happens best at least, at the very least, when you show up. And the best way I can describe it is this. Have you ever gone to hear a band live or have you ever been to an event and you're, or you've seen something, you've, you've seen something that's amazing and you're trying to explain it to somebody else and you're like, man, dude, it was the best thing you've ever, and they're just looking at you like, what? And then you say this thing, you say, you just had to be there. That there's something about being there that's different than watching it on TV. Something that's different about feeling what you feel in that atmosphere that you can't feel on the deck on the back, in the backyard. 
There's some impartation that's happening. That's why I love to come to church. That's why we hate it when people miss. When, when you miss, you can sometimes miss on a fresh opportunity for God to do something amazing in your life. Why is being in God's house better than any place else? Well, number two, we get to enjoy God's presence. Now look back at the verse two that we read a minute ago. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now that may sound strange to you, my yearning and enjoying God's presence. And like, like, like we don't often think of, I'm going to enjoy God. And that's because of the way that we view God. Some of us, we view God based on our, our religious experiences growing up. Like God is old. He's got a huge long white beard. He wears like a long white robe and he's ticked off and he's got a lightning bolt like loaded up ready to zap somebody, right? And, and, and he doesn't understand the culture. Like he doesn't know or he doesn't even have the iPhone 10 yet. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't have that. He doesn't have like a cool Apple watch on his wrist. He, like, he didn't even get all of that. Like he's not hip to the culture. When you're with him, it's gotta be yes, sir. And no, sir. And, and right away, sir sir, I'm on it, right? And see you in heaven, sir. And won't that be fun spending all of our rest of our days with you in this big party in the sky with the old guy with the long beard and the, you know, you know like no, nobody has the concept that the greatest person that they want to be with is, is God, right? But, what, but, but the writer of the Psalms, he did. He had this, this idea. He saw God in a different way than perhaps you and I have framed him. Like we've let our culture and, and, and religion often shape our, our image of God into some stained glass loving, narrow-minded, out of touch, legalistic, doesn't enjoy anything kind of God. But that's not who he is. K King David wrote about him in Psalm 34 and 8. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, say that. He's good. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And, and then he says in Psalm 68, he says that we serve a God who daily loads us with benefits. Like, and, then, and then he goes on in Psalm 103, and I love this psalm. It's, it's just awesome. And I want to read a portion of it. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And what? Forget not all his benefits. So, so in case you've forgotten what God brings to the table when you have a relationship with him, he goes on and says, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life, who buys you back from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord, he goes on and says, is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And he has not dealt with us according to our sins. In other words, he doesn't give us a one-for-one -one retribution for our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. And this is why the psalmist, when he realizes the benefits of being associated with God's house, he goes, I can't wait to get back into his presence. That's why he says it's better there than, than anywhere else. Because he says in another place that, that, that it's fullness of joy, that in God's presence is fullness of joy. That's why it's better in God's house. Come on, somebody, you can come in head, hanging down, like beat up feeling, but you can leave God's house full of joy. Like where else do you find that? Who else is offering that but God? Number three, in God's house, 
we are reminded or we discover our potential. I, I think this is important because you, you, you guys, we live in a crazy world, man. Like I don't even watch the news anymore because I just don't want to hear any more bad news. It's like constant bad news. And the world is getting crazier. And, and oftentimes it's the people around us that we work with or, or maybe the, even our own family that sometimes with their words or their actions, they can just poke holes in us. And it's like all the good is leaking out of us and we can lose our way and we can lose our footing and we can forget why we're here and why we're on this planet. Like life can just knock us off course. And then sometimes it's our own choices that take us off course. Like, this is why we miss out on God's best when we arrange our lives around pursuing the good life. Like, if our lives are merely wired up for stuff and, and achievements and pleasure, we miss out on what's infin infinitely better, which is the God life. Some of us choose to pursue good life and, and miss the God life, which is way, way better. That if we merely develop an appetite for the good life, that our whole life is constructed around achieving the good life, we become what it is that we pursue. And we miss out on our truest potential of being who we were meant to be. So here's the thing. Whatever consumes you will conform you. Whatever consumes your time and your energy and your thoughts and your thinking and your, gets your focus, eventually you become like that thing. It's just a fact. That's why God hated idolatry in the Old Testament because people would start to worship something dead, not even alive, and they would become like that. They would lose their way chasing after a, a, a God that wasn't even real. They were molding their lives into the image of this fake deity when there was a living God saying, hey, I got amazing plans for your life. So when, we're, when we want to become made into the image of God, like first of all, we are made in the image of God. And if I want to become more like God, if I want to re realize my potential, then I focus on his characteristics. I focus on his attributes. I focus on, on, on his goodness, his holiness. And in the process of me thinking about how great my God is, um, all of a sudden, he begins to change my thinking into his thinking, my attributes into his attributes. I literally become Christ-like over the process of that. And all of that happens as I begin to focus on who he is and what he's done and, who, and, and what he's brought to the table in my life. And he begins to conform me into his image, into the image of Christ. Because whatever consumes me will conform me. So you come in here on a Sunday morning Heart open, eyes open, ears ready to hear, on the edge of your seat, like I'm in, I'm all in, bring it, bring the word, bring the songs, bring whatever you're saying. And all of a sudden you start to do that week after week and God begins to remind you and inform you and tell you this is what I have for your life. You discover your purpose. And this is important because we forget this sometimes. In the pursuit of the good life or in the middle of the bad season of life, we lose who we are. We forget what we're on the planet to do. And, and, and our lives can get so focused on the earthy that we forget that there's something bigger in life to be focused on. I, I love Martin Luther King Jr. I love so much about him. But I love the way he, he, his words were so potent and so powerful. And here's what he says about this. He says, but then we come to worship. We, we come to it. We show up to it. 
And there's something there that reminds. Every now and then we discover. Every now and then we hear something calling us to the hills. Every now and then something cries out in our souls for the peaks. Every now and then when true worship is coming from us, we begin to breathe the stars. Every now and then we discover that we are made for eternity. And this is what worship does for us. In God's house, we are reminded that we are not just made for the valleys and the plains, but we are made for the hills and the mountains and the peaks. And then we go into the house of God and that truth comes ringing out to us with new meaning. In God's house and God's presence, they become an empowering vehicle for us where God reminds us that we are his sons and daughters, that the word of God teaches us that we are kings and priests before him. So so that you don't just merely attend church. When God shows you who you are, you become the church, that we are the church, that we are a group of people gathered in one place for a common purpose, some assembly required. They're just showing up to church because we're punching a ticket and this is what my mom made me do or this is what my wife wants me to do. Like those are good, those are fine, but, but when we go beyond that too, I'm on the edge of my seat, God, what do you wanna to say to me today? We become the church so, so that our lives are lived out for Christ, demonstrating God's love by serving others and by sharing our faith with others. And that's very different from just consuming church on a row in a chair where you can just easily do that on your back deck. Literally, you could just do that on your back deck. The reason that maybe you would come to church on a regular basis is that God shows you your potential. And so you're moved from being just a consumer of church to being a contributor to church. That you don't go just to be served, that you go to serve. There's something so satisfying about that. And then lastly, I'm done here, our problems. Why it's better to go to God's house, why, why we gather, why there's some assembly required is that our problems and the things that worry us get smaller in God's presence. I guarantee you that if you've been part of any church body where they were doing things well, that you've experienced this, that you've come in with fears or worry or anxiety or problems that seemed insurmountable, that they were, just, they were literally dominating every thought that you had. Every time you slow down, you start to, this thing starts to spin cycle in your mind and you come in and you give yourself over to worship and then you discover how much smaller that problem seems. And, and let me tell you how this happens. This is in Psalm 34 where the psalmist says, can you say it with me? Can we say this together? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You can't do that psalm on your own. You see that? Let us do this together. But, but the, the phrase I love there is to magnify the Lord with me. Let me tell you how you can walk in heavy, hurting, broken, confused, afraid, and leave out here different. And the, and the word magnify means to enlarge. Like, how, how, how do you do that? How do you make God bigger than he already is? You don't. Except that when you worship God and you magnify his name, he becomes bigger to you. 
You start to see him as he actually is. Like, like yeah, you, ever, you ever look through a, a set of binoculars or maybe a telescope? And the whole point of them is, is that you take something far away, seemingly out of reach, and you bring it right close, right? You ever hunted, you've seen this. That's not a big enough deer or that's a female or whatever. Like, like you bring it close and it gets right up in your face. And, and, and then... And then have you ever flipped one around and looked at it through the, the big part of the lens, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I look through glasses like that every week. They're so big I can see into the future, right? Anyways, uh, I'm off course now. Um, but, but have you ever done that? What does it do? It takes something. You could be right here in front of me, but you would look so, so far away. Worship does two things for us like this. Number one, it magnifies the Lord and it brings him close. He seems far away. It brings his presence and his spirit close. But at the same time, you know what it does? It's like flipping around the, the telescope. It makes the things that seem so big look much smaller from heaven's point of view. It gives us, worship gives us a, a, a new perspective and he gets bigger in our eyes and the stuff that seems so big in our faces right now becomes smaller in light of his glory. You magnify him and everything else gets smaller, not, not as it compares to you, but your problems look small compared to him. You see, our problems don't go away. They'll still be waiting on us when we, we, we leave, but we have a new perspective. We get to see our stuff stacked up to God. We get to see our stuff from heaven's point of view. And in worship, God reminds me of who he is and who I am. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this this morning. I went out to that property where our office is and where we're getting ready to build and I was just really frustrated again because there's no building going up and we're still waiting on this crazy this crazy um, traffic analysis. It's insane that we're still waiting. And part of me just wants to go down there and, and teach a brother or something with, a, with maybe an airsoft gun or like maybe a paintball gun. Like, hey, dude, hurry up, man. Is that wrong for saying that out loud? Okay, anyways. But, but I, just, I just was walking around the office just going, God, I, I worship you and I know that you are fully in control of this situation that I have no control, obviously, or we'd have been building this church three months ago when we should have started. But I give it to you because I know that you understand the end and the beginning and you know exactly what you're doing. And, and, and as I begin to praise God and just worship him for doing what he's going to do, what I know he's going to do, I just realized how small of a thing it was that I was so freaked out about that I was laying awake at night worrying about this crazy permit. Like I have no control over that. But it was weird how it shrunk as I began to worship God, as I began to magnify him, as I began to realize, oh yeah, oh yeah, I serve the God of the universe. I serve a God who says, I invite you to call me Father, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Like, and, and it's hard for us because we're not cowboys or whatever, but like he owns all the money there is. Like he, he's got this thing. And it just began to grow smaller as he grew larger in my eyes. And that happened in worship. And worship is a kind of rocket fuel for the soul, man. It lifts, it empowers Oh, let us magnify the Lord together. You know, Isaiah, the prophet, Old Testament prophet, in Isaiah 61, he has this prophecy predicting the coming of Jesus who came as a baby, and he predicts all that 700 years prior to it actual happening. But, but there's this part in Isaiah uh, chapter 3, I think it is, where, or sorry, 51, where, where he is 
talking about the things that Jesus is going to come and do. And he says he's going to give sight to the blind and he's going to unstop the deaf ears and he's going to set the captives free. And he's doing all this amazing, you know, uh, messianic talk. And, but, but in verse three, he says this crazy thing. He says, and he will bring a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That, that in exchange for our heaviness, he's going to lay something lighter on us. That, that we come into this room oftentimes heavy, by life and burdened down by the problems and the stresses and the relational difficulties and the financial difficulties and the career and the challenges with our kids. We come down burdened in and he's like, hey, listen to me. If you will, if you'll trust me, if you'll worship me, I wanna make an exchange with you. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and the soul is lifted and the burden is lighter. It's still there, but my perspective is changing. And some of you have experienced that in moments of worship where you came in feeling heavy and all of a sudden, inexplicably, the load is lighter. And this is what God brings to the table, the power to stand up no matter what's going on around us. And he does that best in his house. A day with God is better because with Christ, you can have the forgiveness of sins. Amen, somebody? That your sins have been separated from you, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that he never holds them against you again. And, and a day with God is better because you have the security of knowing that you are locked in the family of God. A day with God is better because you, have, you can have joy unspeakable. Your happiness is not based on the happenings around you, but you have a joy based on who God is and what he's done for you. A day with God is better because no matter what's going on in your life, you can have a peace. You can have a peace that makes no sense to the rest of the world. That's why the Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. And you can have that. A day with God is better because you have a divine calling and purpose in your life that when you wake up in the morning, Psalm 139 says that God knows you before you were even born, that he knew you while you were in your mother's womb, that all of the days of your life were ordained and written in his book before even one of them came to be, that you can know that in God's house, that I have a unique calling and a unique purpose and a unique contribution to make in this life that makes my day better knowing that, that I can have his power that a day with God's power is better than any other kind of day because that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me. A day with God is better because you have his provision. You have everything you need, Galatians says, to do life, to be all that God has for you. That all of life, uh, that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. A day with God is indescribably better. It's better. It's better. One day with him in his house is better than a thousand people at places elsewhere. Amen, somebody? But there's some assembly required. Amen. Let's, let me pray with you. Lord, thank you so much, God, for this day, Lord, for your goodness. God, that people have made, even on spring break, when it have been super easy to stay home or stay longer wherever they were, that they've made it a priority to be at God's house. I pray that they would leave this place renewed and refreshed and energized and, 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 and they would leave no matter what, what, what's going on in their lives. Lord, I know that some of them have, some folks have walked in here today and the hundreds of people who've gathered here today, some of us have walked in here with anxiousness, fear, with worry, problems laying heavy on us. And God, I just pray that in this moment, in this time, that we would just give them to you, Lord. 
that right here in this moment, Lord, I would say, God, this is what I'm going through. I want you to do this with me. God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm struggling with. And Lord, to the best of my ability, I know it's hard, but to the best of my ability, I'm gonna just give it to you. This garment of heaviness, this, this spirit of heaviness that's upon me, I'm going to surrender it to you. And Lord, I'm just asking you to make that great exchange with me, to put that garment of praise on me. Lord, that I praise you and that I give you my praise, that I give you worship in this place today, that you would take all of that, that you would remind me of who I am and whose I am, that you would remind me of the potential that lives, lives in me, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, that you would remind me that, of that in this place today. I pray your blessings on all of us. I pray you do great things through all of us, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.